and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 6, The Devil's Advocate from 1997. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. With us today, we've covered this movie already. If you are a Cage Club devotee, which I'm sure there's maybe one or two out there. I know that I've listened every episode. I don't know if you have. You, the hypothetical listener, I mean. But we've covered this movie already for Keanu Club. Our former main man, Keanu Reeves, is the star of this film. Keanu will cross over with Watch the Throne twice, both yes. this and Sweet November. And on both episodes, spoiler alert for the one down the line, same guest. We had to bring her back because we found her and her passion and her devotion to Keanu toward the end of Keanu Club. Darcy DeBose. Hello, Darcy. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for being here. You're here to talk about Charlize, but also, of course, your main man, Keanu Reeves. Yes, totally. And I definitely snagged the Sweet November just so that I could talk about Keanu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Watching the very beginning of this movie when they're like truly in love before things go really really wrong I was like oh this is the love story that I wanted in Sweet November like there's like a there's a connection here that I feel like isn't maybe in that movie and we'll get to that when we get to that but I was like there's a spark here between Keanu and Charlize early on where I was like oh this is what I want yes totally they're like passionate and sort of like real flirty whereas in Sweet November they're like he's so hesitant with it all that <laughs> There's no, like, real chemistry until, like, later in the movie. Yeah. Yes. Seeing them at the beginning of this really made me want them to be a real couple in actual reality, real life. <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, the chemistry they have, it's so cool. Yeah, and I was actually trying to sort of, like, debunk that whole thing about them maybe dating in real life. And I think that they probably did for, like, a brief period of time. Um, but it was never like official from either one of them. Oh. There's just like a lot of like paparazzi and like, like articles, yeah, about them like getting caught in like an embrace, like out in front of a restaurant and stuff like that. Mm. Um, wishful thinking. Maybe they actually <laughs> were a couple at one point. Well, I know that my uh, Zach attack and now Too Fast Too Forever, Magic Mike's boyfriend material co-host Joe too. Whenever he sees Zeph and a cute girl on screen, he really hopes that they to clean it up dated. Uh, he always he always hopes that the on-screen couples were, you know, carried over into real life. So if that is true, they would have been a really cute couple. And I know that they are also, in theory, talking about returning to some kind of John Wick, Atomic Blonde type movie. So if they do that, Darcy, you will have to be back. Yeah, you are our official I'm... resident Keanu expert on Watch the Throne. Yeah, I would love to do that. But I would love to see that movie because they are good together. And now they're at this weird sort of same stage in their career where they're both action stars after a career sort of like intermittent with action like now they're both like at the top of their action game and to put them together in another movie that's not a romance movie or just a drama would be yes that's exactly what i want yes same yeah i'll take them doing anything together to be quite honest like even if we get sweet november 2 i'm cool with yeah. that guys <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't know. like I would love the action crossover stuff sure but i'll take whatever i can get Sweet November 2, she didn't die after all. Right. Twin sister. <laughs> That's the sister we never see in the movie. No. Oh. oh. So right. what is, what's strange about this movie, strange might not be the right word, but watching it from Charlize's perspective, 
it's weird how it's kind of a horror movie. Yes. That's really sort of terrifying, and you feel real bad. Like, when we watched it for Keanu Club, and every previous time that I've watched this movie, you're watching from Keanu's perspective because he's the main character, and you're like, man, what a drag she is. Like, you know, he's trying to do this. He's got this important job, and he's got this powerful boss, and he's trying to do good things and, you know, defend people who maybe don't deserve a defense, but, like, that's their right, and he's doing a good job. And now here, you're like... Oh, God, she's trapped in a loveless marriage, surrounded by maybe literal demons, and no one is believing anything she says. Totally. It was hard, too, like, trying to adjust to be like, oh, I'm actually watching, I'm supposed to be watching this for Charlize and not Keanu, and, like, having to be like, okay, his whole thing is totally separate. But, yeah, it's, like, a literal... Like, I only watched this for the first time, like, less than a year ago. Like, I remember my parents always watching it when I was a kid. I didn't realize how, like, literally supernatural it actually is. And how, like, he's, like, literally the devil. Yeah, and she's the one who sort of deals with most of... Like, she's more clued into the demonic presence at first than he catches on, you know? So she's definitely got, like, this... It's much more of like a Rosemary's Baby from her angle where people are lying to her and telling her that she's seeing things and she goes from like this just happy-go-lucky the world is like her oyster character to insane and committing suicide. Like it's just one of the darkest arcs that, that we've come across for her characters yet. To be fair, he only catches on after she kills herself. Like it takes that bolt of an action for him to be like, wait, maybe there's something weird going on here. He's not very clued into anything that she's going through. The fact that she has like this vision where she like sees a baby and like, know with the knife and like all that we'll get to that but it's just like all these crazy experiences that she's living not just seeing the flashes of demonic faces but like these visions these like experiences she's having and she tells it to him and he's like oh no you're crazy al pacino was with me today and just like well think about it yeah the rosemary's baby sort of comparison is really nice because it's like even when they move into that apartment their neighbors like the Mm -hmm. the the wife of the neighbor like when she's like painting the apartment and she just tells her every color essentially sucks until she gets to (laughs) until she gets to red and then it's like okay cool yeah like stick with the red it's just It's very, like, yes, like, the neighbors are kind of in on it kind of thing. Well, Mike, we talked about when we did Inconceivable for Cage, but that was sort of (laughs) gaslighting the movie. Mm -hmm. This is kind of gaslighting the movie, too. Everybody's like, oh, no, 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 you're not crazy, but, like, doing things that, like, make her seem crazy. Like, it's, oh, man, like, you just feel so bad for her in this. Well, because it makes me feel crazy. Like, I feel like it drives the viewer crazy also, you know, because we're in the same state of mind. It's like, no, we're seeing what she's seeing. I believe her. Like, I know she's not the truth why don't the other characters listen to them like i feel like she does at that time you know and and it totally helps that like she's amazing in this role as well yeah and she's just selling all of this so much that like i don't know like i (laughs) like yeah i've seen this a few times before but i've never really tracked uh the charlie stuff and it's just like it's upsetting and disturbing on a different level this time yeah she plays like the quintessential sort of southern bell like the strong southern bell Similar, I guess, kind of to the trial and error character, but not as Manic Pixie Dream Girly, but just sort of that like that idealized Southern girl. I'm sort of a free-spirited person. But also like like stronger than that character. I mean that character was like whimsical and like had her stuff together kind of, but like here's well, let's, like, let's she... get this straight. Okay. In trial and error, her character gets a flat tire and decides to live. <laughs> 
where she gets her flat tire. Like literally yeah. sets up shop like in a trailer and lives in that yes. town. <laughs> so, yep. but also two movies in a row. Like we mentioned last week, two movies in a row, law movies. So there you go, oh, connection there. So maybe nice. she's just a southern character in law movies, I guess. Typecast. But then she moves in New York and she sort of is able to sort of live this high class lifestyle. But at the end of the movie. When Al Pacino says to Keanu, he's just like, you've been trying to get a better, like, basically trying to, like, improve upon your girl ever since you moved here. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, that doesn't work because she's Charlize Theron. Like, she's beautiful. She's good for him. She's, like, this strong character. And Al Pacino's like, oh, no, since you've been here, like, you've been looking for other women. But, like, it doesn't work. It's kind of like in those movies where, like, there's, like, the beautiful woman who's just, like, in glasses or whatever. And it's like, (laughs) oh, no, she's mousy. Like, she's not the right girl for you. You're looking for, like, an uptown classy lady and it's like well no I mean because she's great yeah and I mean even especially like she gets even more attractive when she changes her hair or at least that's like the movie saying like look like she can pull off all these different looks and you know like she's evolving and fashion and she's keeping up and all this stuff and it's yeah there's no way like I just think Keanu is in love with his job like that's the other woman in his life in this movie you know it's just he can't separate the life from the work uh, and it's not just his wife that falls to the wayside, but like his mother too, you know, and, and eventually, you know, everything comes crashing down. But then it also starts over, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. This movie should get a sequel. That's <laughs> That would be great if it picks up yeah. right where it left off with all the same you characters. Could. <laughs> There's no reason why you can't other than, you know, we've waited 20 years now and, you know, you can't do the same movie, I guess, a sequel or whatever. But like they're off to do to live a life and maybe maybe they go on to like break up and move to San Francisco and like get back together in sweet November maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean Keanu can you know probably move to a lake house with a magical mailbox yeah. and meet a whole other woman in his life you never know god I really want to watch the lake house again I don't know why I don't know why it's a treasure <laughs> it was a treasure I was also thinking about casting Sandra Bullock in our recast game but I did not even though I, I wanted to but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit I do want to say that the, at the end of the devil's advocate episode we did for Keanu club we were talking about how we wanted this magical machine that would let us see any version of any movie we wanted with whatever actors we wanted. We didn't really get to recasting this, or maybe we said it earlier in the episode, I don't know. What was really funny, Mike, was that at the very end, we were talking about how we talked about the religious expert, but we wanted to have a law expert on, and yeah. we have somebody with firearms, because you were talking about, you know, the guns, and like, maybe they shot too many bullets or whatever, and you said, you know, we're going to have to do a Charlize Club and a Pacino Club, and so here we are, wow. <laughs> less than a year after we recorded that episode... We are here recording the same movie for one of those two. So I guess as of this recording, who knows when this releases, no sexual harassment claims have been brought against Al Pacino. So he's still in the running (laughs) for a podcast down the line. I don't think we're going to do him, but I guess we have to we have to devote some time to either discussing the law. <laughs> Darcy, are you either a law expert or a <laughs> firearms expert? Um, neither, actually. All right, never mind. Maybe we have to yeah, do it two sorry. more times. We'll do an Al Pacino <laughs> podcast, and we'll do a... Uh, Jeffrey Jones is that the guy? A New York City po- a New York City podcast where New York City is the fifth character. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I just I wanted to, I wanted to give you credit, Mike, that you sort of predicted the future without knowing. Awesome! Uh, I should be in John Milton's firm as his like, <laughs> you know, fortune teller, whatever oh have you. Can we talk uh, briefly about um, Florida Keanu in this movie for a few minutes? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
The glasses. Oh, I love the glasses. <laughs> I actually wrote that down as prose for this movie is Keanu in glasses. I've seen this like a from beginning to end a handful of times. I think I've yeah. missed those every time I watch this movie. I don't know what it is, but it, that's a terrific look for him. Yeah. Oh, well, I've missed things in this movie that we will get to that I don't know how I missed before. <laughs> Maybe I was taking notes or whatever. I don't know what it was, but I've missed some weird, crazy things in this. I still think my favorite line in this movie, in a movie full of lines, or maybe it's not my favorite line, but my favorite line delivery is when Keanu is in the apartment, they're getting ready to go down to the party, and he just says, oh, baby, in like this real southern twang, and I just love it. Like, Keanu is just like, good old southern boy is just perfect. Oh, baby. Yeah, super charming. That brings me to Florida Keanu's second attribute, which is the accent. Mm-hmm. I picked up on it way more this time than in previous Oh, it's very pronounced. But I had always sort of remembered it being there and then disappearing. Uh, but it's really there like, <laughs> all the time now. It's yeah. like music or something. He definitely sticks with it. And it's funny because like, my boyfriend walked in at the end of me watching it. And he's like, wait, what accent is that? And I was like, he's from Florida. <laughs> There's lots of states in the South. I don't know which one he yeah. picked. But, yeah. Well, because Charlize is rocking that Southern accent, too. That she sort of sounds like a Southern belle. Like that, that sort of, that, a little bit of that twang, too. And like they both sort of keep it. I mean, I think it maybe dials back a little bit, but like it's still there throughout the entire movie. Yeah. I think she works it a lot better. Uh, I actually feel like she does a really good accent. Uh, I, I think she's putting in like a sort of a higher caliber performance. I don't know necessarily. I feel like her performance belongs in like a more sort of serious movie. And you know what I'm saying? Like everyone else seems to be playing a little looser than her. Uh, I mean, her character is definitely the most tragic and, and needs to sort of be, I guess, played less comic. Like you can't really put any sort of like fun edge to her too much, you know, whereas I feel like Pacino's really hamming it up and Keanu yeah. really gets to you ham think? it up. <laughs> well, I'm just so saying, like, yelling. yeah, the rest of the movie just feels like it's on less of a realistic level and she's just, like, really good in this and I just feel like her stuff is a little... Uh, just like on a different level than everyone else. I mean, she's literally in a different movie. Like, she is in yeah. that yeah. horror film. Like, it is, there are horror elements to Keanu's side of things, but it's sort of like a supernatural thriller more than, like, she's trapped in a movie where, like, she's fighting monsters and, like, it's a fight to the death and she dies in the end of her movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, she's in a different movie. She can't ham it up as much. I also noticed, like, every time I watched this movie, I loved it originally because of how theatrical and over-the-top it was and how much Pacino hams it up, but, like, the more I watch it, the more I just genuinely like it as a movie. I think it's well-made. I think, you know, people are really over-the-top, but I think they're they're still acting well. I think Keanu is great in this. Mm-hmm. I think Charlize is great in this. I think Al Pacino for, at this stage in the is his career, post-Hua, <laughs> yep, from, yep. The, the, <laughs> from the P.S. I Love Hoffman episode, he's still really good in this. I think that, like, for the most part, like, it's a well-made movie. It's just also, at the same time, completely bananas. There's so much going on, and, like, all the CG at the end is just, like, what is happening right now? (laughs) I'm really glad they saved a lot of that. I think I said that on our Keanu Club episode is... um like Charlize gets to see sort of like the demons under the skin which is a great effect and a little yeah. bit of like yeah. the warping of the faces and and I'm glad they didn't go overboard with any of that stuff and they save it for the end because it, once it's sort of a barrage of effects it's following the, the story is out of control you know everything is at a crescendo 
this movie is very like operatic um, mm-hmm. in in all the better and all like the good ways, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like acting wise, like set design grandeur. You know, it's just very opulent uh, and very cool to watch. And for a two hour and twenty minute movie, this thing flew by i mean maybe again because i've seen it so much but really it really felt brisk like it just keeps moving there's no real moment i feel where it just kind of sits and stalls i mean i find the areas where al pacino is just yelling for a long time to be to where i sort of like zone out actually um (laughs) but other than that i agree like i when i started it again today after seeing it for the first time a few months ago i was just like i cannot believe this movie is two and a half hours long like it it just feels like a regular like 90 minute movie and what's great about it is I think they spend the right amount of time in each sort of major area. Like they spend the right amount of time in Florida, they spend the right amount of time in New York, and then like there's sort of the third act that's still in New York, but you're also kind of in hell, sort of. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's the right amount of time devoted to each, and so like it never feels like you're in any one place too long. You're not like, oh, I wish we got more of that because it feels appropriate. And what's also kind of smart, I think, that we don't see it enough in movies, especially the movies that we talk about on the podcast, is like there's the whole Delroy Lindo subplot in the middle of this movie that like you know, I guess ties into the overall themes, but, like, is basically introduced and then wrapped up in the middle of the movie. Like, it's like, we know that this murder case isn't going to last the entire thing. Like, that's too long for sort of how simplistic it is, especially given how good Keanu is at his job. And so the fact that, like, they introduce a case and they resolve that case and they introduce another case, and that's the big one that we're going to end on, that's smart, too, I think. Yeah, it, like, keeps things moving along. Yeah, he actually lawyers in this movie, you know, like, not, it's not just a movie about being a lawyer, but, like, we get to see, like, two or three jury selections, like, trials, like, he has to go talk to these people and, like, track them down, and, like, that whole stuff with um, Craig T. Nelson, that's just really well handled, like, that could be its own movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it would be, like, the only case in a movie that wasn't as sort of like sure of itself maybe or didn't have enough other stuff going on with it i think like if this didn't also want to be you know all supernatural and and devilishly cool and all that stuff maybe just it would be about this delroy lindo murder case much like the later keanu courtroom drama that what was that called joey when uh it was him and uh, bridget jones the whole truth the whole truth oh, yeah. Wow. I, yeah i think i started that once and didn't really <laughs> yeah this would just turn it. out to be like that you know that's what you would get and this is just way better <laughs> this is something whole like this is all something entirely different it's also entirely different from the lawyer movie that we get last week where it's just like hey we're gonna have a broad comedy just gonna take place in a law room at, or in a, in a, in a in a law room (laughs) in a a courtroom uh, as opposed to like we're in a courtroom but there's actual law going on there's actually like cross-examination here's the trailer for last week's movie he's Kramer and he's a lawyer yeah (laughs) that's basically last week's movie like yeah you're right this is like really into the lifestyle of you know the rich and famous or at least the rich or the elite yeah and the people who run the world and it is nice that they actually like like you said they like let him lawyer if the devil is actually like recruiting you to be a lawyer because you never lose and you turn out to be the devil's son like maybe they should sort of like give examples of how like badass you are at never losing a case and things like that so i feel like that really did play out well and it was something that sort of like kept it going without any lulls because the next case was just like something new and fresh you know and speaking of how badass keanu is 
the fact that he's able to I st- every time I watch this movie I still can't believe that this happens he's able to win a case where his client is literally jerking off to the young girl counting <sighs> like how is this happening in court I'm like I'm like this is so gross like he's like miming what he did to her and then they tilt a little bit down or whatever and he's like he's got his hand in his pants I'm just like oh god and the fact that Keanu is able to like overcome that at least the first time around the second time around he's like nope I'm done yeah. but the first time around he's just like okay you're disgusting but I'm still gonna get you off because this is my job I mean he's gonna get himself off too if you know what I mean but <laughs> I'm gonna get you off and then I'm gonna go take you know a quarter million dollar bonus or whatever to go up to New York and get this whole luxurious lifestyle he's badass like you said Darcy but he's also like able to overcome the most disgusting yeah. traits of the people that he has to defend I mean I guess that's your job as a defense lawyer like he's a lawyer for the bad guys he's gotta yeah. do it but it kind of found interesting about Charlize's character is like early on when they're celebrating that win because that that is like the opening scene which is even more like shocking that the movie opens like with that case about the teacher who was molesting the, his students and stuff but after he wins that case uh someone says something at the bar and Charlize is like we don't talk shop or like the case is closed or whatever it's like she's okay with it too to a degree which yeah. i didn't pick up on last time like it's I don't think it's supposed to be a big thing like, oh, she has no moral compass like Keanu, not 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 whatsoever. But she has an idea that like, you know, he's getting bad people off from jail time and she's okay with it because it's going to afford like a lavish lifestyle. So I don't know if that's entirely right. But I also don't know how in tune she is with Keanu's abilities because when they get to New York and they show him the apartment they show them the apartment she says to him like are you really this good like I know she knows that he's a good lawyer but she's like are you this good like the fact that they have this massive building and each floor only has two apartments and she's like oh like I knew you were good at your job like I didn't know you were there like this is this is crazy good (laughs) but I almost have a feeling like Keanu didn't even realize what he was worth until he got there too oh sure yeah so maybe they were both a little green about the whole situation and I think it's like her demeanor both in Florida and when they first get to New York that really makes this movie so depressing because she's so optimistic and full of hope and like wonder and just she's sort of teasing him a little bit like he's like you know if you don't like this we can go back and she's like yeah well well she's like what are you like are you kidding like of course we're gonna stay here she's like so happy about the prospect of like living in new york and having this luxurious apartment and then i think the reality sets in that he's never around that she has nothing to occupy her time with like she says the first time she's never had a job or two jobs as just sort of time goes on and she never gets to see keanu and she has to find ways to fill her day and she's with these other women who are like more into their bodies and spending money than like anything else and it's just like oh like she's just getting beaten down in like these small ways over and over again and just it's heartbreaking and it is kind of interesting how they use like her hair to show the shift because like in the beginning she is like so bubbly and excited and they're talking about like having a baby and she's just like these like curly locks that are bright blonde and her voice is just like a bell and she's like so excited about everything and then as soon as Al Pacino sort of like gets in her ear like oh you should put your hair up you should cut your hair all this stuff it changes and then and she's just this sad sort of shell of a person that she used to be with her like short dark hair it's gotta be tough man because it's weird like there's this almost like i wonder if it's foreshadowing but the first time they go to new york she it's just like for a trial something and she gets a call from keanu and she's been in a hotel room all day like watching tv eating room service 
And later in the movie, when she has that weird baby dream where she sees herself walking down the hallway, like when she opens her eyes, there's just like a tray of food next to her in the TV. And it's almost like she's trapped in this loop of in a room, eating room service, doing nothing. And it's, I don't feel like it's because she doesn't want to do stuff. It's just like, you know, her options in that world are not conducive to what she wants to do. Uh, part of me feels like there's like abandonment issues going on she's oh absolutely yeah like she says something this time i picked up to pacino about briefly oh, mentioned about daddy about, issues yeah, yeah about her father i really wish that they maybe took one more scene to try and explore that a little deeper i don't know how they could have done that but i found that really interesting this time i'm gonna say they don't have to because like you can see how big her daddy issues are when he's just like because he's now this father figure in her life right because he's basically i mean he is literally keanu's dad she doesn't know this but he's <laughs> he is her father-in-law she's so broken and so desperate for that paternal affection that he's like hey you should return your natural hair color and you know cut your hair and then literally the next time we see her she did exactly what he said so like, i don't think you need more evidence that like she's got daddy issues like the fact that he's like this guy that she doesn't really know like she knows that he's her husband's boss but he's just like hey you know this thing that sort of defines you like you should change it and then the next time we see her she did exactly that like that is to me like the ultimate sign of oh she needs someone to tell her thing like she just wants that paternal not even like affection but just like attention like have someone tell you what to do and how to act and sort of parent you and the fact that she does it so readily it's just it's sad mm -hmm. but also what you were saying earlier mike about the food is that there's another scene that i was going to make note of when she's trying to wallpaper her apartment she's eating food out of a box there too like <laughs> yeah you know, she's the box. what's also kind of amazing to me mike is that you know a couple episodes ago we did that thing you do and she was helping her dentist boyfriend oh my gosh wallpaper his office like wallpaper is her thing i guess i'm surprised she didn't go to the dentist in this movie to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many more times she does in her film career we will find out we've are, we're only like a few films in and we're already getting connections more than when we were doing keanu club maybe not Sharp cage actions. these are like on cage club level like every episode we're getting like one or two connections oh no better than Sharnections actions is theron actions do we ever talk about do we did do we say do we coin the term theron actions i don't remember that <laughs> that's better than Sharnections. actions yeah i don't like Sharnections. actions theron actions the scene where she's talking to Pacino and he's basically like mansplaining hair to her like oh you should raise your hair like he's basically saying you should smile more but he's just talking about her hair like it's just like yeah. it's super icky and super creepy it you know, makes like, sense when you find out he's the devil right like well yes yeah. <laughs> you're like I'm glad that there was something deeper going on there because he also knows exactly what to say to everybody like when they're out to dinner you know it's him and Keanu and those three girls that we never see again and he's like I bet you're from Michigan and she's like oh my god how did you know that and he's like well you know he knows everything Oh, and also whatever he says to the one girl who like they're in a public restaurant and she just goes under the table to do what she's gonna do to him do the dirty corn <laughs> we've got to come up with something better than that for nope nope <laughs> doing the dirty corn He's, he just knows how to like it almost like he can see it's almost like a next situation from cage club where he can see two minutes into the future but he can see in infinitely into the future i guess and know exactly what to say to get the desired outcome or it's almost like he's the devil and he knows your every right. desire <laughs> like he has that ability yeah as the devil he can you know control things i'm just trying to make a cage in action here mike i know i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> what i thought was interesting about that scene though while we're at the mexican restaurant is he's like in the kitchen yelling at charlize to go to bed and that he'll be home when he gets home you know i felt so 
bad for her off screen. Uh, like we don't even get you know her voice over the phone or anything. But like that's just a moment where I hated Keanu in this movie. I was yeah. like, oh, the the influence has its claws in his back at this moment. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> Well, this whole movie, basically, once they get to New York, the entire movie is him abandoning her. He leaves her at the party, and she has that scene where she's like, you bailed on me. Like, he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, he's like, I need to do work. She's like, no, you left me there. I had a panic attack. But, like, he bailed on her to go talk to Christabella, who we find find out later is his sister. He bailed on her for that, and then he bailed on her for Pacino, and, like, she always comes less. Like it's it's like he takes her for granted because mm-hmm. he knows that she has nowhere else to go. He knows she's going to be downstairs. He knows she's going to be at home, wherever it is. He doesn't need to check on her because he knows where she is. She He can just focus his attention on his law cases or on Pacino or on Christabella or on whatever. Yeah, yeah you mentioned uh, his sister or half-sister or whatever they're gonna get try and get freaky at the end it's just oh man i i think what it was really smart like i get it oh i i kind of get what what pacino's talking about when he he's got the hots for that girl right it's just it's not even that she's prettier or more attractive than charlie's it's just that she's different and you she's know, exotic. She's she, Italian. Well, she's like a businesswoman. She's very assertive. She's like almost dominatrixy kind of. And Charlize is, is not. Is just a very different type. Like more wholesome, more housewife, I guess. Or and maybe Keanu gets to the city and his dark side takes over, and he realizes like that's much more his personality. That's what he wants, and and that's why he starts like having that freaky sex where like uh, yeah. his wife starts changing into her and back and forth, and he and he's like under a curse maybe. I'm not sure. I, I kind of get the sense that he may be like betwixt by an enchantment of some kind at one point. But but yeah. I, but that's like the moment I, I get all that. Yeah, that whole thing, like devil aspect of it was my reasoning for every single thing that he did that I was like, oh man, he's being super shitty. And it's like, oh cool. It's because this woman is his half sister who's also the daughter of the devil. And so they're meant to be paired together. So that's why the attraction is so strong because they're of the same sort of like blood essentially. And Al Pacino sort of just like, being like the devil he's this trickster where he's just like literally just whispering in everybody's ear and like moving people around like pieces on a chessboard to like have them do whatever he sees fit like he was talking about how god just like observes everything and like laughs up in the sky but he's like on the ground like in it but like clearly he's he's also landlord yeah he's also clearly like orchestrating this whole thing so it's like he sort of blames god for like not being around but like He's also doing the same thing. He's a fan of man. I love that. <laughs> I'm a fan of man. <laughs> but we have to say that, like, in that crazy sex scene, we have to say that, like, they're having sex because the way to fix this broken marriage is obviously to have a baby. Like, that's the only way that's going to make have things get better. He's like, let's make a baby. And then, you know, like, that's not going to work. It's almost like Quentin Tarantino shot this sex scene because like, he's like sucking on toes a lot, and it's just like it's a really uncomfortable. Like, let aside from the fact that he's having sex with his half sister, or worse, like fantasizing about having sex with his half sister. What he's doing is just like, oh, this is like a level of intimacy that like we don't normally see on screen. Like, it's just, it's 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 uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Keanu's sex scenes. There's been a bunch of them, and they always seem to show his butt, at least, or something. Like, they don't <laughs> shy back. Like, his, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they're always, like, intense to some degree and show nudity and everything. And this just in the whole sort of, like, history of sex scenes is just one of the most bizarre and, like, weird and just crazy all, all around, all together. But I really think it gives a good 
representation of his mental state and you know at this point he doesn't know it's his sister he doesn't know any of this devil stuff is going on he doesn't really you know he's not really clued into any of that yet so yeah, she's just a hot chick at work yeah and i can't imagine what he thinks is actually happening like if he's really feeling her there and seeing her there or whatever but there's some like amazing expressions on his face when things switch back and forth you know <laughs> Like, he's really good at, like, shifting the tone. Like, when he's with Charlize, he actually literally looks, like, more worried or caring. And then when it switches to the other girl, he's, like, super happy and excited. And, and it's just really cool to see him, like, change so quickly. Like, not only is the girl he's with changing, but, like, it look, it's almost as if, like, he himself is bringing out, like, two different sides. It's that change that, like, we see when we're at the Mexican restaurant and they're all having, like, the time of their life and we smash cut back to the apartment and that's when Charlize, like, wakes up looking scared, looking somehow younger than she's looked all movie. And that's when she walks down the hallway to find the baby and then, like, you know, they stole my ovaries, that that whole thing. It's It's this juxtaposition of, like, he's having the time of his life and she is terrified she's in her own horror movie and what's also weird about that scene i don't think i noticed it before maybe is it like she wakes up and then like they, she wakes up again yeah did you notice that like she like wakes up and gets up and then they like, cut back to her and she wakes up again like it's like she's trapped in this loop and it's just like oh no yeah i wasn't sure if i just imagined it or if it was in the movie where she actually saw herself like walking down the hallway or not but it definitely helps give it this like i'm dreaming i'm awake i'm not sure what is reality not like it's almost this movie does it quite well a few times there's almost like these lynchian moments like that you yeah. know where it's like oh suddenly i'm in mulholland drive starring Charlize Theron. now i need to see that movie but uh... <laughs> yes please Charlize and sandra bullock as the two oh my actresses. god stop <laughs> do it <laughs> do it also, around this time, I wrote down the line that Al Pacino yells. He's like, got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. And I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty... Oh, but that's like right when he's he's like staring at that dude on the subway when he says that. And, he, and Pacino yes. has like the stupidest fucking look on his face I've ever seen. It's like right out of the movie because he looks like he's blind from the blind movie. Which one was that on P.S. I Love Hoffman? Oh, oh, yeah. It's, it's the... Oh, God. It was the one where they're at school. Uh, Scent of a Woman. Yeah, so he looks like he's the guy from Scent of a Woman, like he's because his eyes are bulging out like that. And then the guy asks him like if he's deaf, and I'm like, no, but he might be blind. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> one thing I noticed, and I mean, this is another thing that we've seen week in, week out, is that we have a lot of Charlize nudity in this movie. We also have a lot of Charlize just like strolling around the apartment in underwear. Uh, we have a couple different scenes of her in underwear, though. Like one where she's getting ready for the party, and she's like this confident person. Then later in the movie, she's almost in the same outfit. But she's opening the window to hear, what's his name, Barzoon Eddie? get murdered. Eddie Barzoon get murdered. She, I think she's in the same kind of like, you know, robe and like underwear, like sort of her lounging around the apartment outfit or whatever. But like, she looks completely different. Like before, she had the hair. She was like this bright, bubbly character. And here, you know, she's got the dark hair. She's being gaslighted. She is terrified. She doesn't know. She has nothing to do. And like, it's the same outfit. It's just a completely different Charlize. And it's kind of, I mean, it's similar. It's crazy how different she looks in a span of like probably 45 minutes. Yeah. She's very versatile. She pulls off a lot of different looks in this movie. You know, it's, it's, she goes from blonde to brunette but also long hair to short hair and she goes from like healthy to mentally ill <laughs> and she really you know goes through the ringer in this movie and it reads on her every moment you know like i really feel like you could pick a scene in this movie and you can track her emotionally like where she is you know how far she's 
gone at that point or not. Like I, yeah. I especially like the moment when they all go shopping together and you see like the demons under the skin and stuff. And that's when she like you know all that's all she needed to see was see it once to really confirm that something was wrong. Right. And it's like once she saw that, like she could never close her eyes again. I love the concept of her being witness to Eddie's death. I just hate that execution. Hate is a strong word, but I feel like it's a minor misstep in the film. I almost feel like it would have worked better if like Eddie was chased into the street from the park and she happened to see him get run over or something. In a movie where my belief has been suspended, you know, so far, the way that shot, it's really hard to believe that she can see like across the street yeah. into Central Park, like into the woods where this guy is getting knifed. Need I remind you, the devil has his influence on this. I mean, like maybe they're maybe he's giving her like super sight and super hearing, so I was even thinking, like, that part always confused me, too, when I ever watched it, because I'm just like, wait, how is she even there? Like, he's clearly, like, out in, like, a forested, like, a he's in a park, and she's, like, in her building, and I always just assumed that she was, like, envisioning it, as opposed to, like, literally seeing it. Like, because she does kind of get, like, really manic in that scene, like, putting her hands to her head and everything, but, like, it doesn't really, her gaze doesn't, like, lock onto anything. She's kind of all over the place, so to me, I always see that scene confusing but also thinking that maybe she's like literally just like like having some sort of sight like she's seeing it as opposed yeah. to like actually looking at it happening yeah i don't think that i really thought that she could see it i think she just sort of somehow heard that it was happening or, or knew that there's something somehow? yeah mm. and like that's why she goes to the window to open she's like what's going on and that's and then we cut to because i mean like there it's so far away like i don't think there's a way for her to see eddie barzoon okay. getting beaten by those homeless not homeless people but I do agree that that scene is very confusing because you don't really know. Like, if it right. if she is supposed to be literally seeing it, it's cut really bad. Like, there's no way that, like you said, that she could really look that far. But that seems a little choppy, I feel. She just seems to be in tune with bad things going on, right? Like, her spider sense are going haywire. <laughs> it's like, yeah. she may not be able to see it, but she can feel it. I don't think it helps that that scene is sort of cross-cut between her and Eddie and then Pacino explaining to Keanu about Eddie also. Yeah. There's like this weird three-way editing going on there too that sort of doesn't help the sequence. Uh, but I, I love the intent of it all. I think she kind of has to be there otherwise you need something else. Cause like That's kind of the breaking point, right? Because then like, Keanu goes back to the apartment and the doorman's like, oh no, she didn't look good. She just wandered off to the church. We tried to stop her. And then that's when she, like, throws off her blanket and is fully naked and all, like, cut up and bruised. And, like, that's when she admits that Pacino had gone to sleep with her, like, to sleep with her, right? And, like, I feel like that Eddie Barzoon murder is kind of the breaking point. Maybe she's, like, maybe while that's happening, what's really happening is Pacino is, like, taking advantage of her in the apartment. And so she's, like... It was another Keanu movie where some poor woman was getting raped on the subway and she was envisioning... Exposed. Yeah, exposed, yeah. And spoilers for Exposed, but she, like, didn't realize she, like, killed her rapist or something was the deal. Like, she blacked out and had, like, a vision or something. So maybe there's some kind of, like, traumatic escapism happening here being represented. Poor sweet Ana de Armas. That timeline seems so kind of off because it's like, I just assume that Pacino is orchestrating the dudes, like, beating the shit out of the Eddie guy. So it's like, he's talking to Keanu, but it's also, like, has enough time passed for, like, the result of whatever happened be like like is it really time for eddie to die like like i feel like pacino is still with keanu sort of like explaining to him how eddie is but like there hasn't been any like enough time with whatever it it was that eddie did for him to like 
come to the conclusion that he needed to die. I feel like that whole sort of scene is like in the timeline seems really off to where it's then like he finds her at the church and she's like, he was there, like essentially raped me. And he's like, but he, I was with him. And so that, I feel like that could have been executed or sort of like, I don't know, like I wish there had been like one other element that sort of like them in the apartment together, like Pacino with her somehow or like something off when he's with Keanu so that there's some sort of like I don't know I feel like there was something missing to sort of bring that all together no because you're right because I mean like we can understand and get that the devil can be in more than one place at once but the fact that we're like not shown that right at any yeah. point up to that point in the movie it's like oh like that makes sense but like it would have been cool to see him you know somehow cross-cutting like he's with Keanu in the courtroom and then somehow he like drops by the dressing room where they are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like he's in, like, literally in two places at once, because then we can be like, oh, right, that's why it was in the film earlier. Like, I get, like, I, and it sort of gets a little bit muddled, but I also feel like if you sort of space it out more, then we're going to something closer to probably, like, a three-hour movie, and I feel like there sort of has to be, like, I don't think there's too much, but I feel like I'm okay with it being a little muddled knowing that he's the devil and is able to, yeah, you know, true. see what's happening now and also what's coming and able to sort of summon demons to go kill Eddie Barzoon. And also at the same time, his physical body is in court, but he's also like his spirit or whatever is, you know, raping Charlie. Like it's all, you know, like I, yeah. I'm okay with like the, the jumbly timeline as opposed to trying to pad it out for another 20 minutes and be like, well, he's here and he's here and he's here. Like, I think there's probably a middle ground that would be good but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'd rather have it be like this than like overly explained. This is how everything happened. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I think in in this moment in the movie, it's really full steam ahead for Keanu's character, and so we get what we need to get for his perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't need to see Pacino show up at the apartment because it's in Keanu. It's in Keanu's point of view now. So like, true. you know, yeah. he's not going to believe her. We have to sort of be like well, is she telling the truth or not? You know, like we have to be sort of more in his mindset during right. those moments. Right, we're supposed now. to think that she's crazy. Like that's the whole point. Yeah, especially us being on her side the whole movie. Like we yeah. need that moment where we can question her. Right, exactly. But I think it's in those scenes at the end when they're in the church and then everything that happens after where she's giving like the best performances of the movie. Oh, she's so good. She's so like, intense. It's it's especially, I think, because like as the movie goes on, we start spending more and more time with Pacino and Keanu and Pacino is obviously hamming it up. And then like we smash to this church where it's just the two of them, really. It's Keanu and Charlize. And she's, like, so vulnerable and so broken. And, it, and you know, even though he might not believe her because he's like, you know, he was with me, like, something happened to her. Like, the way that she delivers these lines to him, it's like, oh, like, she's been through something. He let himself in. You need to know that. Who let himself in? The bath was running or something. I didn't hear him. I swear to you. And then we talked. We talked for hours, and I haven't talked to anyone, really talked to anyone in so long. Did somebody hurt you? Stop. 
Yeah, and she's just really good at a breakdown. Like, I love watching her sort of fall apart. She's really good at it. Yeah, and I think this is where Keanu is maybe starting to realize the extent of his neglect towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, when it's too late to do anything about it, I guess. And he makes a great sort of acting shift I feel for the rest of this movie too where it's he's in the what have I done mode right. which I feel he plays really great uh, but yeah Charlize is just like she's so incredible and like this is such an early role for her and already yep. she's I don't want to say upstaging because she's not really in any scenes where she has to go head to head per se with Pacino or Keanu but like I feel like she's of that caliber yeah. almost already you know already. it's like I feel like she's been in like 20 movies by now but this is her sixth movie and for Keanu this was like the halfway point like this was I think 39 I want to say because for some reason I remember that the Matrix was 41 and we went that we wound up with 72 so I mean like we're like on the back half of Keanu's career at least as it is now and here like we are two years removed from her first movie she's already able to do this it's just like and you know knowing her backstory like she didn't grow up wanting to be an actress she wanted to be a dancer for her to be this good this early it's like whoa that's funny that she wanted to be a dancer and yet like i feel like she's a very graceful actress or actor like the yep. way that she can play a scene you know it's like a dance it's really interesting especially and we she really doubles down because from the church we go to the hospital to sort of treat her wounds and check her into the mental hospital. But, like, when she's on that gurney, it's almost like she's, like, a confession. Like, it's almost, in a weird way, not that Keanu is her priest, but, like, she's sort of, like, confessing and apologizing and, like, asking for forgiveness. Like, it's all, like, it's, like, two scenes in a span of, like, three minutes where it's just, like, oh, wow, like, she is great in this. And I know that she was good in this in the past, but, like, not having watched the movie to see her, watching it this time now to see her specifically, it's, like... Oh, wow. It's money. Blood money, Kevin. We just drank it down, both of us. We knew it. When in those cases, taking the money, we knew they were guilty. But you just kept on winning. And every time. I can't look at myself in the mirror. And I see a monster. Don't do this, Kevin. Please take me home. Please don't do this. Yeah, I mean, we were more focused on her and looking for the nuance, you know, and like trying to pick apart the performance. I feel like that's something with Cage and Keanu and now Charlize that. I can rely on when movies are bad it's like okay well at least I can sort of sink into what they're doing but when a movie's good it's it's like even better because you pick up on all these little traits that may have come before you might see them come up later and that's really cool to track as well you know like Cage, like when we got like cageisms and Keanuisms and things like that. I feel like her things are popping up, you know, definitely like she's an amazing screamer. Like she can yeah. scream for joy and for fear, and they're different and they're both amazing. She can also kill herself and die with the best of them. This is the sixth movie, the sixth episode, and she's already died three times. Oh, this wow. one, well, I don't even know if this is the most gruesome one. You know, she was eaten by the plant monster or the corn monster. <laughs> shot in the face as a a mercy kill in Two Days in the Valley, and then here, you know, she, like, basically jams a huge shard of glass, like, deep into her throat, and it's just like, oh, wow, like, this is, this is 
gruesome. She's so calm and badass when she does that, though. And then, like, Keanu has the most epic freakout face I've ever seen when he does, when he, like, lunges at her and, like, the nurse comes in. And I'm his face is so contorted and, like, he's so, like, upset. I feel like I've never seen him act like that before. Yeah, he's got a lot of sort of freakouts in this movie, I guess. Uh, that's one of them. There's the, you know, the famous, like, lawyer freakout. Is that the one in this one? Is that the one I'm thinking of? I just keep thinking of the creepy smile he gives himself and that weird wink in the beginning. Oh, where he like <laughs> almost breaks his own neck trying yeah. to wink. There's one moment early where he's being recruited at that bar. I don't know, like fish and chip oh. bar or whatever. Oh, where, where the greatest song in rock and roll history is being played? Show me Show your me tattoo. Your tattoo. <laughs> the guy's like, he, we want to recruit you. And he does like this, almost like the laughs like Nick Cage would. He's like, ha ha yeah. or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Like uh, he's really letting loose and exploring his abilities in this movie i mean he bites her ass while they're dating (laughs) i mean that would that couldn't have been in the script i mean come on it's wonderful unless that was in the script and he's like here's why i'm doing the movie (laughs) (laughs) someone literally wrote this in their script like i need to meet this person and then later on he like sucks on her ear and like takes out her earrings oh that and then like passes it back to her it's so weird. That's they had so... to have been dating. I cannot. Yeah, that feels like a an improv moment based off of past intimacy or something. Like, yeah. remember that time, like, I almost choked to death on your ear when we were making out? It's like, let's incorporate that. Oh, boy. <laughs> but what's also kind of funny in terms of the, I guess, chemistry with Charlize is that after Charlize is dead, they go to that, they basically enter hell at the end of the movie, and it's revealed that Pacino is the devil and Christabel is his sister. Christabella sort of morphs a little bit into Charlize, or like changes her appearance to look a little bit more like Charlize. And it's like, oh, like you have such a chemistry with your wife, and you have such a chemistry with Charlize, like, let me make myself look a little bit more like her so that you and I can get it on better. Well, she had like the curly hair, right? And, yeah. and yeah. I figured that's why Pacino told Charlize to switch ah. it because it's too much like his who sisters who he's. Her up with. Yeah who he's destined for. Interesting. But speaking of morphing, there's some, I don't know how I missed this, either at least last time, or if maybe not every time, but I never saw before. I don't remember seeing before. I didn't notice it either. Al Pacino morphs into a young Keanu. Yeah, that, you never noticed an that? No. That's the an most angel. insane part. I don't know how I missed, I mean, there's a whole lot of insane, there's a whole lot of crazy in this scene, but that I was just like, wait, what is happening? Yeah, he sort of turns into like a blue devil for a second or two like a, yeah. he's in like full I don't know if it's actually Pacino but there's a guy standing there and like looks like Tim Curry and legend almost but blue but then he becomes like Shia in Constantine like yes. an angel that yeah. sort of soar off at the end like I'm not saying I understand it but no. I definitely remember that being like one of those final holy shit like what the fuck is going on now moments at the end of this movie yeah it's like what does it mean no answers <laughs> no, no answers no. <laughs> nobody knows just, just reveling the wonder that is that last act of the movie. He sets the reset button by blowing his brains out. Yeah. For the first time in a Charlize movie, she comes back from the dead. Oh, that was such a relief. How good was it to see her back like her old yep. self again? With the, with the curly hair, and then they ride off into the sunset, guided by, they think, a friend, but actually Al Pacino, where vanity, definitely my favorite sin. Mm-hmm. Love it so much. Two little things that I found out about this movie that I think I mentioned both of these on the Keanu Club podcast, but I'm bringing up again here because it's Charlize, is that she, for the entire three-month shooting period in New York, spent 
an hour a day with a psychotherapist who practice schizophrenia. So mm. she's sort of the, the method actress here. And also, uh, she said, I remember reading this on the Keanu Club and being like, huh, that's interesting. But knowing where she's come already, it's sort of weird. She wasn't sure if she wanted to do this movie because it required the nudity that she turned down showgirls for. But like, oh. she's been naked or, you know, in revealing clothing pretty much in every movie so far. I mean, it's not to this extent, I know, but like... Yeah, have you seen showgirls like <laughs> it's like they're basically walking through that movie naked right i think nudity is one thing like this is you know i feel like this is one thing but like showgirls is so close to porno <laughs> like, but I'm, ju- I'm just saying like even though she was talking about turning this movie down because she didn't know if she wanted to go naked but like she was naked like there was the, the unfortunate shots in urban harvest she was naked in two days in the valley you know she was in her bra at least in that thing you do you know she was in a bed she was in, yep so it's just all that kind of stuff it's just like well i could see that yeah but yeah, then. those are the only notes about charlize from imdb though darcy do you have any other thoughts about The Devil's Advocate, either about Charlize or anything you have to get off your chest about your, your guy Keanu before the <laughs> recast came? No, I think that I kind of ticked off all my points that I had marked down. Mike, anything else after the second run through of The Devil's Advocate for our podcasts? <laughs> There's actually just one Keanu thing I caught, and I don't know if we ever mentioned this. I think it came up maybe once on Keanu Club, and you can catch it in a couple movies, but it's pretty predominant here. Uh, Keanu's stomach scar? Yeah. He's aware of his stomach scar? Okay. Yeah. I sort of forget about it all the time. I have no idea where it came from or how we got it, but uh, there it is. It's from a motorcycle accident. Oh, okay. It's okay. Yeah. In that really terrible stretch of his life. Yeah, where everyone died. Oh my gosh. Side note. Have you guys watched that like journey into the career of... The, and unauthorized. They, like, the unauthorized documentary, and they b- pretty much blame him for nine eleven and the yes, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh we talked about God. that on. We did a whole episode of Keanu Club about that documentary. If you want to, oh listen my to God, that. yeah, you got to listen to that show. It's okay. insane. It's just me and Joey losing our minds for an hour. Like, yeah. can you believe this? Can you believe this? <laughs> like, I watched it, and then like to the end, I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" They literally just blamed him for all of the tragedies of the nineties. Like, I cannot right now. They blamed him like his sister got cancer. Like, it's Keanu's yeah. fault, and it's then. His Curse. Boom, 9 It's like, wait, what? Don't yeah. listen to Keanu Reeves' uh, The Unauthorized Documentary, or Journey to Success, I think. Journey the Unauthorized Documentary. Yeah. That's a movie that was so unseen that I had to add to Letterboxd. Like, it wasn't on Letterboxd <laughs> when I went to log it. Like, just nobody had, like, seen that. But, you know, at least the three of us paid that random Amazon seller, you know, a couple dollars to get the DVD. So somebody's making money off of Journey to Success. Probably the guy who made it selling it. Honestly. <laughs> recast game. So, Mike, you're going to run this, but just running down the rules. Actually, sorry, not recast game. Hollywood Tycoon. I want to get in my brain <laughs> calling it Hollywood Tycoon. Nico's name. Thank you, Nico, for letting us use this. The rules of the recast game, the rules of Hollywood Tycoon, are as follows. If we were remaking this movie today, who would we cast in each of the big parts? Mike can give a rundown when we go through it. There are only two rules. Number one, we cannot turn a female character into a male role, and we cannot whitewash. We cannot take a a character who is not white and cast a white actor or actress in that role. In both instances, the reverse is fine. We can turn a male character female, and we can put a character who is black or hispanic into a white role just know the reversal and the only other rule and this is not applied to darcy is that mike and i cannot cast anyone that we cast last week just to make this difficult game 
even more difficult for us. <laughs> I also realized that we did not add Don King to the list of roles to recast <laughs> for his one scene in this movie, but we can skip him. So, Mike, uh, if you want to take it away, you, you can decide who we're going to go through in the order, and we're going to let Darcy go first. Wait. Okay, so the roles are the devil, Keanu, Charlize, Keanu's sister, Keanu's mom, right? Yep. And then his two neighbors? The, yes, the those, black couple. Yep. Okay, and then director. Which I realize, as we're talking... I did not cast a director, so I need to think about that as we play the game. But that's totally fine. Well, I didn't cast... I only cast the three main, so my bad. All right, well, why don't we start with the main man today and go with Keanu? Since he is my number one, it's hard to recast him, but I definitely wanted Oscar Isaac as a recast for Keanu's role. You matched me. No kidding! We have a match. We have a match for the first time. We have a match... I think he's also perfect for that role. He's like my number two. He's so incredible and can be so intense, but like so endearing the same way that Keanu can. So then when I recast Keanu, my second was obviously like, who will he play well with as like a Pacino character? I wanted to go female. And so I originally had thought maybe Angela Bassett because she has this very like non-aging aspect to her, which seems very sort of devilish and suspicious. Then I sort of thought who I would cast as Charlize. And I really like Elizabeth Olsen like meltdown oh okay so pairing the oscar and elizabeth together i recently watched their movie called in secret oh i haven't seen that i've seen a bunch of both of their movies and i've never heard of that one it's really good it's kind of like a period piece okay but the not the evil role in that movie but the other part is actually jessica lang who i thought would be perfect as al pacino's role so i essentially just recast this with the cast of that um (laughs) so yeah oscar as keanu elizabeth olsen for charlie Theron. And then Jessica Lang playing the devil. And what I like about your devil choices are that both Jessica Lang and Angela Bassett are both affiliated with American Horror Story. So yes. both in that already creepy sort of vibe sort of world. I like yeah. that Love a lot. It. Good picks. I didn't think of any kind of director and I didn't do those other side characters, but that sort of trifecta of those three I really liked a well, lot. Well, that's fine. Mike and I can go through our picks, and if you think of someone you want to cast in any of those roles, feel free to jump in and let us know. Okay, cool. So, Mike, we have my pick for Keanu in Oscar Isaac. I think he's good because in the stuff he's done, he's been both, like, really pure of heart and also Mm -hmm. really kind of, like, war-battled sort of, you know, like... uh, Poe Dameron, you mean? Well, well, I mean, mean, it's on display right there, right? Like, you know, you've got this really optimistic, war-torn hero kind of guy, yeah. But also in, like, uh, Show Me a Hero, that HBO miniseries that David Mm -hmm. Simon created, he is just, like, this beaten-down man in Drive. He's sort of, like, I mean, like, in everything he does, he's, like, this guy who can just have such a range. So that's why I went with Oscar Isaac. Who'd you do, Mike? Okay, so I went with Michael B. Jordan. Ah. Okay. Watching this movie this time, I just pictured him doing this role, and I think that he could just really kill it it just it's got the range i think he's got it and i also love creed obviously he's amazing yep. in that that movie's amazing yep. so yeah and he's gonna be in the new black panther movie right yeah i think he's like the bad guy in that or something so that'll be cool i haven't really seen him well i haven't really seen him in a lot of movies to be quite honest i think i've only really seen creed and the Fruit, zeph have you movie. seen Station? no not yet but i saw the, the terrible Station. zeph movie oh that, that awkward moment in. yeah so i went fantastic or four, fantastic fit, four or fh four stick isn't he also in hardball with Keanu oh that's he right hardball. he's one oh, of the man. kids hardball yeah 
and he's also in The Wire. The hardball thing is like he has to quit because he's like too old playing softball and he ends up dealing drugs in the project. Yep. It's like really yeah. dark. <laughs> he's also dealing drugs in The Wire though. I mean, Michael B. Jordan has had uh, a rough string of characters, but he's always great in everything he does. So I could definitely see him in the Keanu role. Cool. Why don't you? Why don't we go with Charlize for you, Joey? This is my favorite pick for any recast we've done so far. I think Mike, you already, I, you you should already know who I'm going to cast in this role. The first line out of her mouth, I was like, "There's no one I can cast in this movie other than Riley Keough. She's an American <laughs> honey. She's a Southern belle. She's like that firecracker. Like this is like every time we've done a Charlize movie, I'm like, I don't know who the modern day Charlize is in this role." It's without a doubt in my brain, Riley Keough. I love it. I love her. I love that pick. Yeah, and she wouldn't even have to fake the accent. No, she got it. She's got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Nice. I went with someone who I'm just recently familiar with because I started watching Atlanta, which is fantastic. Zazie Beetz plays... Is that Donald Glover's girlfriend? Donald Glover's girlfriend, and she's going to be Domino in Deadpool. Oh. She's just, like, really interesting on that show, and uh, she would be good against Michael B. Jordan, and I like to see what what happens. I almost cast Tessa Thompson, but I didn't want a Creed reunion uh, between the <laughs> two of them necessarily. But yeah, I'd like to see you know what kind of chemistry they got. Well, the devil's a John, you know that. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of the devil, how do you replace Al Pacino? I think we talked about this on the Keanu Club episode. I'm just I'm taking Keanu from. I knew the- it. <laughs> the one role and I'm putting him in the other role and I want Keanu as the devil but I want Keanu channeling his man of Tai Chi vibe and demeanor oh, as that he's basically sort of... the devil in that right like he is, yeah yes. he's mm-hmm. a real string puller so yeah because we've seen him do it before uh, I want to see him just like chew the scenery in this movie Pacino becomes Keanu so I think it'd be funny if Ooh. somehow you know Keanu became a, a young Pacino at the end I don't know who knows but interesting you know, Keanu as the devil absolutely Right. I went someone who played God this year, and I want to see him play the devil Hmm. someday, Javier Bardem. Ah. I would love to see that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like he could really bring the grandeur to this role. I was like, what movies had God in it? And I was like, oh, right, the religious movie. (laughs) The movie about the Bible. Yeah, so that's, that's exciting. That's I'm excited to see all these versions, to be quite honest. Like, I love... I, it's like, I wonder if, if you can miscast this movie. Like, is that even possible? Well, <laughs> no, but my question for you, Mike, is that you said you had one character that you want to see in a role, and you sort of built the cast around him. Did we get to that person yet? Oh, yeah, it was Michael B. Jordan. I want to okay. see... Yeah, I really feel like he could kill a role like this. Like, I want to see... Even if... It doesn't have to be, like... I want to see him in, like, a firm-type movie, or, you know, somewhere where he's in a conspiracy in over his head. I, I would like to see that okay who's next how about the evil steps uh, stepsister wow it is an evil stepsister wow i just (laughs) realized that (laughs) so for christabella andrioli uh my first thought although i think she's a little bit like i don't want her in this because i don't know enough about her my first thought was to go to another keanu a keen action in claudia gerini who is the sister in john wick 2 that he kills or who kills herself Mm. because she's italian and she's like this sort of exotic person then I thought because the sister is played by Connie Nielsen in this and she's got that red hair, I was like, oh, I think Connie Britton could do this. Although now, since we started doing the podcast, I'm going to change my casting to be Nicole Kidman. Oh. Oh. Wow. Like that. She's almost a doppelganger. Yeah. Nice. I think that would work. I love Nicole Kidman. Just gets better and better, too. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff. <laughs> this girl just, like, this actress just blows me away. I, I, I don't think she's ever 
done anything wrong yet. She's fairly new, also an Academy Award winner. Ex Machina herself, Alicia yeah. Vikander. Yes. Vikander, yes. I think that's a great, great pick. Yeah, she's fantastic. I just saw the Tomb Raider trailer and she's going to be amazing in that too. She's just going to be known, you know what I'm saying? Like in a year or two, yep. like it's just going to be like Nicole Kidman, like her. Like, yeah. And in real life, married to Michael Fassbender. So, oh, or really? Engaged or something. Yeah, they're together. I don't know if they're dating or engaged or married, but yeah, mm-hmm. both played robots. We spent a lot of time last night in real life talking about Michael Fassbender on the Haywire episode of Cinemakers which, as you're listening to this, will come out in two months, maybe? Man, time is so weird when we're recording these ahead of time. (laughs) In two months, listen to us talk about Michael Fassbender and how great a year 2011 was for him. Darcy, do you have a pick for Christabella? While we were talking, did you come up with somebody you wanted to cast in there, or no? I didn't. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. (laughs) I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain, and I can't think of any actresses that I can't think of any at all. Let's go with uh, Keanu's mom. uh, Keanu's mom. Um... What's Keanu's character again? Kevin Lomack. Kevin, Kevin. Okay, so... Uh, he doesn't feel like a Kevin. I can see why no. you're upset. Well, not <laughs> upset, but, like, why you're confused. I remember, like, when the one guy, the guy from the newspaper starts following him and calling him Kevin, and I'm like, is that his name in this movie? Kevin? It just doesn't stick. But let's go with his mom. Who did, who did you have? She doesn't have a huge role, but it's pretty, you know, important. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a little bit of a thinker. I wanted to pick someone who, in my role with Keanu as the devil, I wanted to pick someone that Keanu had basically a connection to, like, <laughs> earlier in his career. Uh-huh. And that's why I was sort of thinking about Sandra Bullock, because I was just like, you know, no. they played together. And I think I, I know who to... you picked. <laughs> I do. I guess the question is, and then I went to uh, Lori Petty, and I was like, eh, "It's not really what I went with." Not what early I, enough. What I wound, what I wound up going with, Fianula Flanagan, Miss McGill herself, sipping Miss oh, McGill's tea, my God. all the way back from Youngblood. Oh. Uh, she was a couple years older than Judith Ivy, who plays Keanu's mom in this. I think they're born in like forty-seven and fifty-one or something. By the way. The actress who plays Keanu's mom in this is only 13 years older than Keanu. So Whoa. that's weird. But yeah, so I mean, going back to Youngblood, we didn't see Keanu sip tea with Miss McGill, but we know that it has happened. And I would love to see a shout out to the real hardcore Keanu Club fans that Miss <laughs> McGill herself comes back as Keanu's mom in this in the remake where she's actually Keanu's former lover. So that's what I went with. I thought you were going to go with, um, is it Diana Diabo from Flying? Oh, uh, uh, Olivia Diabo. Olivia Diabo from Flying. I went even earlier. No, maybe around the same time at least. Yeah, I think Youngbloods was like one or two earlier than that or something, yeah. But yeah, definitely an 80s love. I guess, or Lori Loughlin would have been another good one, right? From that Mm -hmm. (laughs) car movie or whatever. Although I feel like, well, you know, I can't see Lori Loughlin as like a mom type, even though, you know, she was Aunt Becky or whatever. But like, it's the same thing like with Marissa Tomei. Like, she's just hot Aunt May. Like, Aunt Becky would be, you know, Lori Loughlin would be like hot Aunt Becky or whatever. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, yeah. I've, I got a roadblock in my mind, but I just, you know, I, I love the idea of casting Miss McGill in that role. So, who'd you go with, Mike? So, I went with another Academy Award winner recently. Also referred to, well, Bardem was never referred to as God, but she certainly was in a recent film. She assembled the Suicide Squad herself, Miss Viola Davis. 
Oh, the Academy Award-winning film Suicide Squad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, right? For, like, sound design or something? or Costume, I think. Costumes. Costume, costume. Or makeup. No, makeup. Oh, uh, I think it's um, extreme in, Extremeness. or oh, wi- um, It's Twisted. Twistedness, yeah. And when the Academy, the Academy Award, Award for, for Most Twisted most Film. Most Twisted. I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding racist, but you're bringing a lot of color to this. Like, you are doing yeah. something I'm not able to do. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I told you, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep this strategy, but for this movie and last movie, I found, like, one actor who I felt would be like a core and then sort of built like a crew around them to to play around so I don't think this this luck is going to last but <laughs> I'm hey having man, fun you never know I thought of somebody for my mom oh Yanni's mom I kind of really like Francis Conroy in that spot okay the mom from six feet under sure. um, another one from American Horror Story too oh true yeah she played the maid I like that a lot that's a nice pick do you want to do uh, your neighbors as a couple you want to reveal we'll reveal them both this is one that I, I I wasn't sure you know dear listener if you've been listening you know that Mike and I struggle with ages in terms of how to recast people we don't know exactly how old people are supposed to be we have trouble, you know, casting pretty much people who are too old for every role. I wasn't sure, and actually, Darcy, I want your opinion, because I talked to Mike about this. Keanu, I think, in this movie is probably about 30. Would you say he and Charlize are about 30-ish? Yeah, yeah. Probably. How old would you say the the black lawyer who comes down to recruit him, how old do you think he is? Is he, like, about the same age, or is he older? I would say, like, maybe at least, like, four to five years older. But not too much older, but, but a little no. bit older. Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't sure. I actually had, you know, I cast somebody really young. I was like, that didn't feel right. So who I went with here for him, just because we saw him as a lawyer in American Crime Story, another Ryan Murphy thing. Man, between Darcy and me, we're giving so much yeah. love to Ryan Murphy <laughs> shows. But I went with Courtney B. Vance, Johnny Cochran himself from oh. OJ. Oh. So I did him because he, you know, he, he pulled off that distinguished older lawyer. Uh, I think he's like 47 in real life. So I think, I don't think that's too crazy. But then his wife in this movie, I saw is definitely a lot younger, sort of a little bit of a trophy wife situation. Um, and I went with Natalie Emmanuel Missandei from Game of Thrones. I think wow. partially because of the hair, similar type of hair. And so you know me and my hair fixation in terms of can't shake that from my character recognition. But also yeah. just because she's a really pretty young actress who also yeah. can be really tough and scary and intimidating at the same time. So I think she could definitely rock that part. So yeah, Courtney like B. Vance that. and Natalie Emmanuel. Nice. Thank you. I don't know where I came up with this choice, but I went. I, I actually casted a, I cast a real-life couple. They're actors primarily known for comedy although one of them is getting a lot of attention for his own movie this year which is in my top five so i went i went with jordan peele and uh chelsea peretti yes as the neighbors that's good you broke a cardinal rule in terms of turning a not white character white oh did i but damn but but you you countered you 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 made up for it in other ways and i like that real life couple plus i would love to see Chelsea Peretti just tormenting like Charlize or Charlize replacement so I am on board that I am totally okay with that okay good I was a little worried I wasn't sure of, like how hard to break that rule if it was gonna be a problem but I'm glad no I think out. it's I think it's fine because you you were able to make up for it in other ways uh I think it's it's totally fine to have her in that role plus I just love her so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Chelsea Peretti be in anything in any role Sweet. I'm okay with it I think she's hilarious but she also like scares me a little bit oh, like <laughs> Yeah, she's terrifying. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. But yeah, and Jordan Peele is just like great and everything. Like, he, I love Key and Peele and like the stuff mm-hmm. that he does on that show tends to lean more toward like the more twisted stuff. So I feel like he could really flash a couple 
sinister smiles in this movie. Joy, I was just going to say I liked your choice for Natalie Emanuel, but I also feel like I would replace the other guy with Sterling K. Brown, who's also from the American uh, Crime Story, who plays yes. the lawyer. I really love Sterling K. Brown, and I feel like he might fit that spot real perfectly. I think I cast him in one other thing. Like I, I love him in just about everything he does. I feel like I cast him in something else. I don't remember what I put him in. But yeah, I definitely thought of him, and I just wanted to go with a slightly older. Mm-hmm. But yeah, both of those... Absolutely. Oh, he's in uh, This Is Us, right? Yep, uh-huh. he's in This Is Us. Yep. Do you have a pick for who you would replace my Natalie Emmanuel part, the, his wife? I, I like her. I like your pick for her. So All right, then I'm going to put it in there. Yeah. We're have another match. Now, Mike, I still don't have a director. I'm going to think about okay. the director now. All right. Is Jordan Peele your director, too? He is my director, too. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, actually thought of him as director first because I just, like, I want to see how I want his take on the corporate world and the lawyer world. And this elitism is, like, right up his alley. No, oh, absolutely. I feel like at this point I should just pick uh, Ryan Murphy for my director. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to... Oh, God, that's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> I think because I have... Well, let me think. What type of movie am I trying to make here? So I have a movie that is helmed by Oscar Isaac and Keanu Reeves as an old man and Riley Keough. So I feel like it's similar sort of in tone to what we're going with here. I think, you know, we talked about Javier Bardem earlier. I think in a different kind of recast, I think someone like Darren Aronofsky could work well. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I know who I'm going to go with. I am going to go with, similar, I think, to Mike's in that he directed a horror film this year. I'm going to go with Trey Edward Schultz, who did It Comes at Night this year. He also oh. did Cretia a couple years ago. I think he's able to do that, like, tone really well, but also that really small, intimate story, whether it's an aunt returning to her family on Thanksgiving or uh, just a, a couple with their kid in the woods trying to survive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a story about loss and a story about grief and a story about all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of a on-the-spot pick, but actually, the more I think about it, the I more think I think it's a good pick. So I like yeah. it. I can dig it. Yeah, I like that as well. Do you have a, a, an idea for who you would put in yours as your director, Darcy? I think I would do Ryan Murphy. Oh, right, you said that. You said that. I yeah. Said that. So let's see here. I think that's that's everybody, right, Mike? Yeah, that that was all for today. Seven's, qu- you know, I feel like seven's a good limit. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I start to get anxiety about, like, who <laughs> cast. We'll give you one more chance, Darcy. No pressure here, but did you, did you think of someone for the sister? Are you still going to abstain from the sister? I think I'm... Mm, I feel like maybe, actually, Zoe Kravitz might oh, actually be like really that. good in that spot. Yep. I like that a lot, too. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm going with. I like that a lot. I like all the, like, the, the, uh, the frustrating thing, well, there's there's two frustrating elements about this game. Number one is the pressure to come up with people who fit the role, but then number two is to, like, hear what everybody picks and be like, oh, I want to see all these movies now. Like, I want to yeah. see all these people in a movie together. Like, I love this movie as it is, but if any of these movies got remade, I would see any of them. Mm-hmm. Same. Although Darcy's would probably be like a straight to FX. It would be a miniseries version. <laughs> which would um, also be cool. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is a lot to work with here, a lot to sort of play with in terms of that. So, absolutely. One other thing we're going to start new on this episode is we are, as we're going along, keeping track of what might be nominated for the Watch the Throne Awards. And as you're listening to this, you can go back and listen to the Keanu Club Awards, which Darcy was on as our fan vote announcer. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a terrible title. Darcy, what title do you want on that podcast? You can pick whatever title you want. Oh, my goodness. We informally call 
called just the Vanna White role, but that's sort of, it's not demeaning, but it's not as important as it could be. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost just like, because what I am, what am I? Like, an, I'm an announcer, but I also give commentary. Yeah, you're like a commentator. You're an announcer. You're a commentator. You're a play-by-play person. You're the color commentator. How about that? Because there's like the play-by-play yeah. on a sport game, and then the color commentator, you're like, you're the one who has the interesting things to say <laughs> with the unique takes and the hot, the hot takes. Yeah. Okay. That, but in a title. <laughs> so, as you are listening to this, you can go back and listen to the Keanu Club Awards, the Golden Hot Dogs, where color commentator Darcy DeBose told us who the fans voted for every one of those categories. As we're going through Watch the Throne to make our lives easier a year from now, we are going to track the different categories that we might want to nominate the films we watch for. Uh, yes. Mike, for this one, I did a few oh. different ones. Let me open up the spreadsheet right here. Uh, starting off the top, I think that this is an early contender. I don't know if it's going to stick. I think there's a chance that this could be hmm. best film. It's not going to win, I don't think, but yeah, I think it, it's worthy so. of nomination. Yeah, it's a super strong. It's like she's not, you know, she's not the main character, but she's a supporting actor and she's super strong in it. I also think because she's so strong in it, I think this is a pretty slam dunk for best mm. role of Mary Possibly, Ann Lomax yeah. in the Double okay. Advocate. We've got to go best yeah. death. Unfortunately, for sure. Be in there. I also added best freak out. It's her okay. moment in the church. I think that's a pretty yeah, solid and even the, uh, She's that. got like a couple good freak outs. Can we base it on just like the whole role in general? She freaks out really well, like what she does, because she screams. You don't. I don't really remember seeing this a whole lot in movies, but she screams at the top of her voice like several times in this. So I'm gonna say in the church <laughs> slash the whole movie, basically. In the Devil's Advocate, and then the last one that I nominated is for. I want to hear your input if you want to have any other categories nominated uh, to make Darcy happy. I think we got to give Best Male Actor nod <laughs> to Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's that's a must. That's a must. Darcy, do you think anything else? So the other categories that we have: Best Female Actress slash Role, Best Song, Best Line, Best Fight, Best Love Story, mm-hmm. Worst Role, Worst Film, which is not going to be here. Do you think anything else from this film or? a new category anything else from this film that you think deserves special recognition in the ultimate watch the throne maybe the golden wallpaper awards who knows oh yeah maybe if that comes up again what is this two for two two for out of like four that you've done so far two out of, two out of six but it's two out of the last four yeah so yeah it's, uh, it's prevalent anything else in this movie from either of you that you think deserves special recognition not, not necessarily to win but to be nominated to be just it's just an honor to be nominated you already said like best like freak out mm-hmm. maybe kind of been mine. best accent i'm not sure if that's going to come around again but oh. uh, i think in atomic blonde she has an accent if i recall but i don't know she she has she rocks a british accent yeah did she have one in uh that no, thing you do not really i don't know i think everyone was just supposed to be from socal no she was yeah. she was just a little uppity kind of gotcha okay oh that was pennsylvania sorry but it was pennsylvania. It, it was it was shot in california <laughs> and it felt like it took place there sorry <laughs> yeah no but I, I added a new category best accent slash voice so i'll say southern bell southern charm devil's advocate I like that. Anything else of this movie that deserves special recognition, yeah. specifically for like what she did, but also you know maybe the movie as a whole. We didn't really do it with Cage or Keanu, but like best transformation, like something like that, right? Because yeah, I know it's like Furiosa too. and the movie Monster. Like uh, I don't know what else. Maybe Eon Flux. I haven't seen it, but like becoming that character and like really going all the way or something. I don't know. Um, so pure <laughs> to dead inside in the devil's <laughs> 
I like that. Best character transformation. I like that a lot. That's cool. Thinking back, Mike, do you think that any of the other past films that we've done deserve recognition in either of those categories? Best transformation? Mm. I don't think Urban Harvest, no. Two Days in the Valley, no. That Thing You Do, no. Hollywood Confidential, Trial and Error, no. Best accent slash voice. I don't think any of those. Not yet. So, cool. Well, I like it. So there we go. So these are a little bit of a, a teaser taster for the ultimate golden wallpapers or to be determined. Well, it's either that or right now it's, it's between the wallpaper or a piece of golden corn, basically. Or <laughs> the golden chicken wing from Popeye's. Oh, man, that's right. The golden chicken sponsored by Popeye's. Yeah, the less corn, the better. <laughs> the less corn, the better. So at the end of the show, I want to steal once again from Nico and feature another podcast on our network. You can, we, We've already profiled Keanu Club, so I don't want to spend too much. Talked about Keanu so much on here, but Darcy was on the final episode of Phase One of Keanu Club. She was on the To the Bone episode. Yes. There was what movie? Oh, I just saw Novitiate, uh, which you know came out about a month ago. As you're listening to this, and one of the girls from To the Bone was also in Novitiate. So I was like, where do I know that girl from? I was like, oh right, that's where I know her from. Um, and she's also in a cage movie. She's also in Trespass. She's the daughter in Trespass, and she's in Novitiate too. So that's pretty cool. But the podcast, Mike, what 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 podcast do you want to feature? What do you want to talk about here at the end what other show on our network this is coming out this episode comes out january 5th I'm not sure what's what's out what um did we talk about well, just pick just pick a show because okay I, mean, I know we, we, we talked what have we talked about so far we yeah go ahead all right so i recently discovered that a certain soft drink beverage is still in production and not a moment too soon because i can now go to my 7-eleven grab a can of nas yes. Bring it yep. home, pop it open, yep. put in a Fast and Furious movie, and then go over and listen to the guys on Too Fast, Too Forever, where they, for the rest of their lives, apparently, are going to be watching one Fast and Furious movie a month, forever. Darcy, do you like those movies? You know, I'm not a fan, but I don't have anything against them. Well, that's not a terrible Very answer. diplomatic. <laughs> but it's fine. But yeah, as you're listening to this, Joe and I put out the second episode, Too Fast, Too Furious on Too Fast, Too Forever. That came out four days ago, so go listen to that. Mike will be on in about seven months for at least the first episode of Lap 2, but... We are at the very beginning. We, uh, you know, we're still in the early stretches of this quarter mile that we're <laughs> driving one one quarter mile at a time. Grab a can of Nas, grab a Corona if that's your indulgence. Grab any brew you want as long as the Corona, and uh, go listen to Too Fast Too Forever. Go listen to Keanu Club with Darcy. Go listen to all of our shows at CageClub.me, Facebook.com/CageClub, and at CageClubPod on Twitter. We have lots of shows. We've got two new shows starting next month. We've got Mike's show starting sometime. In production, season you, one. The listener, <laughs> probably have a better idea than we do right now when that'll come out. But cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. Email us, watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of the recasts, which movie you'd like to see most. Probably the one with Jordan Peele behind the camera, but who knows? I mean, all of them are probably good. Go to those places, email us, let us know you're listening. Thank you for listening. That's all I got. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Darcy DuBose, and we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. I've said just the one thing for me. Please. Show me your tattoo Well, I'll take you out to dinner Yeah,